Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here on a Monday evening, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern. As we got the college football championship tonight, once again, Alabama and Clemson. Hopefully, it is a good one. You can always check out my work, ScoutFantasySports.com, and you can listen to the show live each and every weekday at 7 p.m. Eastern for one hour, of course. If you can't listen live, no problem. You can listen on demand anytime you want. You can go to your podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, and subscribe, and it usually goes pretty up quickly after the show ends. So you can listen any time in the evening or maybe on your morning commute, whatever it is. We are here for you to help you dominate and win in fantasy sports and sports betting. Of course, ScoutFantasySports.com, the place to be. We already are starting to roll out our fantasy baseball coverage. And the first outlook, team outlook of the year is up and it's free. So here's a sample for those that maybe are thinking about getting into baseball. You're a hardcore baseball and you're starting to think about it. Uh, Sean Childs is one of the best high-stakes players around. Uh, he does these in-depth team profiles, so it's really useful. And especially since it is January, a lot of people think, oh, baseball's far away. It's not. You really need to start now if you haven't already, especially if you're just come, coming off the football grind because you got to get it caught up with everything that has happened here in the offseason because we got a lot of teams and a lot of players, and it's easy to forget. I mean, I do myself at times, and we are getting some signings coming in each day still some big name free agents that are out there so you got to get caught up so the Orioles team profile is out and you can see how in-depth Sean Childs goes with these I mean they're really really good and I recommend checking them out and especially they they probably one a day well I don't know if they're coming out one a day but they're extensive so uh, I'm gonna be reading the Orioles one today to get caught up and obviously there's not great fantasy value with the um, uh, Orioles, especially the pitching. Uh, so that's uh, something that you have to look at. But there are some bats that you can check out. So it's really in-depth and, you know, very useful. So you can get all 30 teams, and it's only the tip of the iceberg, too. You know, that this is, you know, early in the year. You can check it out, get refreshed. And uh, my baseball content will start to roll out. I wrote an article on the trade of um, Yasiel Puig and what it means with his value going to the red. So it should be up later today or tomorrow. So uh, make sure you check that out. And, of course, we can answer all your questions on the message boards and forums, whether it's Dynasty League, Keeper League questions. We've been getting some of those. If you have some football postseason questions, whatever it is, basketball, NBA, of course, Slack chat for DFS. You can check that out leading up to lineup lock and 
Uh, you know, people are in there, obviously, for 7 p.m. Eastern. But on some sites, you have the late swap, like Yahoo and DraftKings, so you could still make some changes. But we have you covered there, scoutdfs.com, whether it's uh, NBA, NFL, because we still have NFL DFS this weekend, and, of course, NHL also. And, again, I've been telling you guys to check out Yahoo. Now, they didn't have the overlay, but they've had a couple of contests with no management fees, meaning that all the money that was put in the prize pool um, goes to uh, the pool, so no rake. And I only put in one entry this week and did make a profit. And uh, also some of the plays, uh, I did a DFS value play article on the scoutdfs.com side this past week, and a lot of them worked out, so hopefully used it. Dontrell Inman was in there, Dak Prescott uh, as well. And I forgot the other one that worked out. Uh, I can't remember offhand. Uh, I was going to put Kiki QT in there. I didn't just because I didn't know if he was going to play, and I wrote that article Thursday. I did wind up using Kiki QT on Yahoo. He was the minimum $10. He was 35% owned, so a lot of people were sharp on that. And obviously, Kiki QT had one of the bigger games of the weekend since there wasn't a lot of offense. But we'll talk about those games in a little bit. Also, I have Bill Enright, ffchamps.com. He's going to join me at 7.20 p.m. Eastern as we'll talk a lot of football with him. But don't forget, you know, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. And we do have a pick out for tonight's game. Sometimes they'll give you some in-game action as well as they get the information. But you can go and join there now and use the promo code RONUS50. You get 50% off your first month or 50% off your first week. So there's different price points. And, you know, last week there was a day where it was college basketball, and they went 6-0. and So obviously, you know, we're going to talk about that and pip it out. And then, of course, some people are like, well, what about your losses? And again, I will say this, they will always be transparent, and there are going to be losses. Whoever says that they win every bet, they're foolish, because if they did, they wouldn't be helping you, and they'd be millionaires. No one is that good. So there are going to be losses, but everything is documented here, and you could just go to VegasWhispers.com or Twitter at VegasWhispers, and you can see, you know, they'll document everything that they got right, they got wrong. So I know over the weekend, they uh, all, all underdogs covered this weekend too, which I, I think might have happened last year, but, and three of them won outright. So uh, my picks uh, via the spread this weekend were two and two because they got screwed on the Dallas. Uh, I think at the number that I put up was two and a half. And the other thing, too, is if you like these games, get on them early in the week before the line starts to move because uh, once it does, you know, you could run up on the wrong spot. So, obviously, those that took the Cowboys got screwed with Sebastian Janikowski getting hurt because Seattle had to go for two every time, and they got that two-point conversion late. Had they had Janikowski, they would have kicked the extra point to make it a three-point game, and then those that had Dallas two-and-a-half would have won. So, uh, one of those unlucky things for sure with uh, the Cowboys uh, there. But the plays for this weekend, uh, they for Vegas Whispers, they had the Colts money line. You know I love that. I've been you know, talking about the Colts for weeks. I took the Colts money line to get the Texans. I think it was week 14. I thought the Colts were going to win this game, so I had the Colts money line there and them getting the points. Uh, they also had the Cowboys first half money line. That works. And they had the Chargers plus three and. I love the Chargers to win this week. They're actually my Super Bowl pick uh, to play the Saints. So I did a draft on Friday, loaded up on Chargers and Saints. So hopefully that works out for me. Like I said, you have to kind of make a stance and go all in, and it's going to be boom or bust. Now, there was a teaser that they put up uh, that lost because they had the Houston Indy over, 
and that did not go uh, over. It went under. They had an Andrew Luck prop that was over the passing yards. I think it was over 302, and obviously that didn't work. And that was game flow. I mean, <laughs> the, the Colts controlled that game. If that was game was any way competitive, Luck easily would have went over the number. He was carving them up. So overall, it was a profitable weekend. Uh, again, last week, too, they had a night where they were 6-0 and in college basketball. So you can head on over vegaswhispers.com at vegaswhispers on twitter so you could see for yourself at the end of the night they document everything when you become a member there's a private twitter feed where you can set up alerts and get them sent to your phone uh, and it's very very good so even if you even if the bet comes in you know close to kickoff tip off the start of the game you know most people have the ability uh, on their phones to place these wagers so again use the promo code ronis50 get 50% off your first month or 50% off your first week. And I've been talking about it for a while, and those that have joined, uh, they can tell you that you're going to make a profit. Obviously, you know, especially if you, you bet everything, uh, you'll get a profit because they've been about 60 65%. I don't have the exact numbers over the last several weeks. I know they've been killing it in college football all season long. So, you know, there, there are going to be some times where, you know, there are a couple losing picks, but you got got to stick with it overall. In the long run, you're going to make a profit. So I want you guys to benefit. Also, uh, let's start taking a look at some of the games from the weekend. And I'll start it off with the one that ended uh, the last game of the weekend. Very excited as the Eagles knock off the Bears 16-15. to I thought the Eagles had a shot to win, but I didn't think they would. I thought the Bears would handle things. But that one thing we've seen is you know, these young quarterbacks making their first start in a playoff game have struggled a little bit. Now, yeah, Mitch Trubisky was decent. You know, he passed for 303 yards. He threw one touchdown. He did not throw an interception, although there were a couple of passes where he could have been. There were some shaky throws. But, look, he did throw a big touchdown in the fourth quarter to Allen Robinson to give them the lead. You know, and I think at that point a lot of people felt that, you know, the Eagles might have had it because, you know, Trubisky was in a tough spot trying to lead his team down the field, and he did. And then the Eagles with Nick Foles, who just continues to win. Again, he wasn't great either. He got the job done, though. 25 of 40, 266 passing yards, two touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions. I thought neither were his fault. I mean, one was wrestled out of the hands. I think of, was it uh, was it Wendell Smallwood or Aguilar? The ball was wrestled out of the, his hands uh, by the DB. So I didn't think it was really his fault. He got the job done again. And, of course, obviously, everybody's talking about Cody Parkey with the 43-yard field goal, which technically they have now said is blocked. There was some video where they showed that it was tipped, and they're in the official stat sheet they're saying or it is a tipped field goal. And tough spot for Parkey. I mean, you've seen this with field goal kickers. You know, the Bears probably should have done a better job of running a few more plays and getting closer. You know, too often these teams are settling for long field goals. You know, you got to gain as much yardage as you can. It's not a lock anymore, uh, especially – in Chicago, you know, a 43-yard field goal is just not a lock anymore. So Cody Parkey, you know, hit three field goals in the game but missed the most important one uh, that sent the Eagles to a victory. But I, I will say this, and I haven't heard anyone really say it, and I was saying it last night too. I had tweeted it out that at the time. You know, the Bears were one of the best defenses in football. And we all knew if they were going to make a run, it was going to be very reliant upon the defense. They were going to have to come through. Now, it's easy to sit here and say, well, they gave up 16 points. How can you be upset at them? How can you blame them? If you go into the day and say, hey, the Bears are going to allow 16 points to the Eagles, 
can the offense score 17 to win? And you probably say, yeah, that should be enough. If they hold them to 16, should be good enough. But to me, a championship caliber defense, they make that stop. Not only on the fourth down play, because someone was like, oh, they gave up two yards on a fourth and goal. How's that their fault? I'm talking about the whole drive. You know, you can't let the Eagles march down the field. You know, Trubisky got you the lead back. You know, he did what he had to do. And the Eagles just went right down the field. The Bears' defense did not come through in a big spot. And you could say, well, it's unfair. You're being too critical. But if you are going to be this great defense and lead this team to a championship, that's a spot where you have to come through. Now, I know it was fourth and goal, and they went to Golden Tate, and he came through. Now, he's been kind of quiet since the trade, but he came through in a big spot, and... You know, the Eagles did a, a nice job of taking advantage of the matchup they have with Sherrick McManus filling in there, uh, and Tate got the job done uh, on an out. But to me, uh, the Bears' defense has to shoulder some blame uh, because you got to make a stop there uh, on the entire drive. Don't even let it get to fourth and goal. Now, the Bears had some time left, and Trubisky did get them down the field. It was set up by a big punt return by Tariq Cohen. And that's another thing that was puzzling in this game. Yeah, that was one of the values. I did write up Tariq Cohen as a value because he wasn't too expensive. And I thought he would be a big piece of the game plan. And that did not happen. And I don't understand why. But you saw that punt return by Tariq Cohen setting them up and the explosiveness that he displays. And in this matchup where I wrote that the Eagles – really struggled to defend running backs coming out of the backfield. So that was part of the reason. I felt like, okay, maybe this is something the Bears can exploit. And Tariq Cohen had four touches. He had one carry. He had three receptions for 27 yards. I don't understand how that happens in a game of this magnitude. And it's one of the reasons it was tough to rely on Cohen week in, week out. And we saw it in the regular season. You know, I didn't get Tariq Cohen in any of my redraft leagues. I did have him in some best ball formats. But the usage from week to week is inconsistent. It's really difficult to know when to put him in there. And he did have 71 receptions on the season. He did have 725 yards and five receiving touchdowns. but And a total of eight touchdowns, three rushing. And we knew we weren't going to get much on the ground. But one thing that I have talked about consistently is on a week-to-week basis. What are you getting from that player? It's great to look at the total at the end of the year and say, oh, this running back finished 17th. But what about week-to-week? Because that's what we need. You know, you can't have these big 30-point weeks and then five, seven, six, four. Because you're just not going to know when to play that player, and you're going to miss that big week and maybe some – we saw a stretch where Cohen was pretty much lock and load, but we saw a lot of games, too, where he just wasn't involved in the offense enough. I mean, week eight, one catch, week nine, one catch, week 11, three catches, and he's very reliant on the receptions, especially in PPR format. So I was a little surprised that we didn't see more Tariq Cohen in this game. Dallas Goddard scored a touchdown, and I'm sure some people used him because if you weren't going for Ebron or Ertz, you were probably just going real cheap. Goddard's real intriguing. Uh, if he was on another team, uh, he'd be someone we talk a lot about in fantasy. Obviously, Zach Ertz is there in front of him. 
But Goddard's a really good player. And I remember when the Eagles jumped in front of the Cowboys and drafted him because I think Goddard might have been on the radar of the Cowboys knowing that Jason Witten was going to retire. But Goddard's a really good player. You know, I guess people will use them in DFS. You know, they got fortunate because he only had two catches, 20 yards and four targets. But he got in the end zone, and that's all you're looking for out of that cheap tight end. Allen Robinson had a big game. I did use him in DFS. Thought he was in a good spot, and he had one of the best games of the weekend with 10 receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. And one of the issues for him this year, though, the Bears were spreading the ball around quite a bit uh, and week to week. But this was a game where it was a lot of Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel who had nine targets himself. But Eagles, the magic keeps going for them. So they advance, and they'll take on the Saints next weekend in the divisional round of the playoffs. But lots more ahead. But when we return, I'll be joined by Bill Enright, Enright of FFChamps.com as we continue to recap Wild Card Weekend here on Scout Fantasy Sports. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. We'll have you covered for the NFL playoffs, DFS, scoutdfs.com. And beginning our fantasy baseball coverage, you can check out the Baltimore Orioles team outlook from Sean Childs, very in-depth. So get started and prepare for fantasy baseball today. Of course, vegaswhispers.com. And you can still participate in the Maui Madness Playoff Contest with the grand prize winning a trip to Maui, Hawaii. So just go to playffwc.com and see how you can enter that. Joining me now, it is Bill Enright, ffchamps.com. Bill, what's up? What's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Good. Haven't spoke to you for a while. How was the fantasy season for you overall this year for football? It was a really, really successful season. I think I rode Patrick Mahomes to a lot of championships. I uh, was very high on him at the start of the year. I think you uh, and I talked about him in August. I said, I'm going to have him ranked inside uh, the top seven for quarterbacks, and he ended up being the top quarterback. I didn't even have him high enough. And this comes back to something that we always say, wait on your quarterbacks. He was the 13th quarterback uh, in my in my hometown draft. He was the 15th in my uh, auction league. And it just goes to show, Adam, year after year, that that is a is a rule that I live by, and, and it just comes to fruition that you always wait on your quarterback. And next year, I'm not going to have any Patrick Mahomes. It's unfortunate because he's just going to go way too high. But I, I had him in a great season, and I'm, I'm really fortunate um, to have drafted him. Yeah, I had Mahomes in a couple leagues. Obviously did very well in those leagues. One of the leagues where I took him was the beat Adam Ronis league that we did out in Vegas, and I was fortunate to win that on the strength of Mahomes. I actually drafted Mahomes and Stafford. You Stafford week one. Stafford never saw my lineup the rest of the year outside of when Mahomes was on bye. But Mahomes was tremendous this year. And as you mentioned, though, you know next year is going to be interesting because I had this discussion with Dr. Otto a couple weeks ago. He said he would take him on the one-two turn. I don't believe him. Uh, he said he would do it. But as you mentioned, Mahomes is going to go real high. Where do you think he goes next year? 
I think he goes in the second round. Absolutely. I think people see 50 touchdowns and he ends up being a second round pick. And uh, listen, I don't think you can expect 50 touchdowns again next year. They struggled a little bit without Kareem Hunt. Now, I know Damian Williams was a league winner for a lot of people, and I know Spencer Ware had a game or two, but I think that offense looked a lot different with Kareem Hunt out of, you know, off the team. Tyreek Hill was a little bit banged up toward the end of the year. Uh, let's see how far they go in the playoffs, because I, I always tend to think that teams that either go to the, deep into the playoffs or, or have a Super Bowl run, they're due for some regression. You know, teams, opposing teams have more film on them, and Instead of them planning for next year, they're busy worrying about this season and taking home that Lombardi trophy. And I always feel like teams get amped up when they're, when they're playing the reigning Super Bowl champs or the AFC champions. So let's see how far the Chiefs go this year. But I do think Patrick Mahomes will end up being a second-round pick in 2019 fantasy drafts. Yeah, it's something that I can't do. I'm with you. I just can't take a quarterback that early. We've just seen so many instances. I mean, again, as you mentioned, Mahomes was that guy this year. So now we find the next Mahomes. Maybe not someone that's going to throw 50, but someone that's going to give you a lot of value. And look at the guys you could have picked up off the waiver wire this year. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. You easily could have won a championship. I won a championship in a very competitive league with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And that's the thing. I mean, if <laughs> we look at what Aaron Rodgers did this year. Look at what Tom Brady did, did this year. They were not even in the top ten. Maybe Rodgers snuck in there late. But um, they were really outside the top ten for most part of the year for quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes, that is the proof in the pudding. He was, you know, the 13th, 12th, whatever it was. He was outside quarterback one range uh, for draft picks this year. And, and now next year he will be the number one quarterback taken. Talking to Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. Let's talk about some of the playoff games from yesterday. And obviously a lot went on in that Eagles-Bears game. But what was the biggest impression you came away with watching that game? Okay, so I'm still befuddled on how the Eagles won this game. They don't impress me in any one particular area other than they continue to win games. So that's what I'm impressed by is the fact that I'm not impressed by them, but they're winning games. So – I don't know what it is about them. They don't have a good rushing attack. I think their defense, especially in their secondary, is very suspect. Um, Nick Foles has, has been solid. He hasn't been great. I think this whole magic Nick Foles coming in off the bench and this storyline is a little bit um, overplayed, overhyped. I'm not seeing like incredible quarterback play from Nick Foles. He's doing a fine job. He's not doing a great job. I don't I was shocked the Bears lost that game. I, I actually had the Bears laying the six and a half. Betting's legal here. We're both in New Jersey. Uh, I thought that was my lock of the week. I had that pinned all week as, my, as the Bears were going to win that game. They're going to win it um, without any question by a touchdown or more. And I was way off on it. And it came down to a Cody Parkey field goal just for them to, to win the game, let alone cover the spread. And, and, you know, it got blocked. He clanked it, whatever you want to say. Um, but I'm I'm just shocked that that the Eagles were able to pull off that win. What do you think went wrong for the Bears? I, they didn't, first of all, they didn't get Tariq Cohen involved at all. It was his lowest usage all season. And for a Chicago uh, offense that you know prides itself on being creative with Matt Nagy, I was shocked that I, I think Cohen is their biggest playmaker. And I'm shocked the fact that they didn't really use him a lot. They they he only had, he had uh, five targets I think it was. He only caught three of them. They only ran one screen to him all game, and it was at the end of the first half, and he, and he uh, didn't, didn't even catch it, and they didn't go back to that play at all for the rest of the game. 
I was I'm just shocked at, at the little amount of usage that they gave Tariq Cohen in that game. Yeah, I said the same thing in the previous segment, and it didn't make sense. I mean, if you remember the beginning of the year, they didn't use Cohen much the first three weeks. He had seven receptions the first three games, and I was like, wow, a lot of people are going to get burned who took Cohen in the sixth, seventh round. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, seven receptions, seven receptions, eight. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, okay, you can play him every week. Then one, one. Right. So it was very erratic. Of course, he had the 12-catch game against the Giants that went overtime. And then the last couple weeks, again, we didn't see much of him. But I really thought this was going to be an advantage for the Bears. The Eagles came into the game, struggled against pass-catching running backs. I am stunned that Cohen didn't get the ball more. All you needed to see is, look at that punt return. He's explosive. He's the one who yep. got them in position to get that potential game-winning field goal. And I just, you know, you think about Matt Nagy, and you, you know he's an offensive-minded coach. So the fact that I always grade offensive coordinators or, or you know, head coaches at Cole Plays on using their running backs in the passing game, and the fact that they just did not use him in the passing game at all, it, it was really I, – I think Jordan Howard had three or four targets, which doesn't make sense to me because we know he, he's not that pass-catching back. He's not that explosive in the open field. That's what Cohen does. And another thing that surprised me was, all of a sudden, Trey Burns inactive? That came out of nowhere. He wasn't on the injury report all week. Apparently, he suffered a groin injury the night before. What was he doing in his hotel room that he suffers a groin injury? And then all of a sudden, he's inactive on game day. I couldn't believe that. They paid him a lot of money in the offseason. He was a big-time playmaker for the Eagles in their Super Bowl run last year. Here he is against his former team, having a chance for some revenge, and he injures his groin. And he doesn't play in the game. I was befuddled. There are two things that could have happened here. Number one, the Eagles could have sent some women over to his house uh, and the night before, and that could have hurt the groin. Also, I mean, look, Cody Parkey and Trey Burton, maybe they're still on the Eagles. <laughs> you know, Lawrence Taylor used to do that all the time with the Giants. He used to send some female companions over to the uh, opposing team uh, hotel. And, 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 you know, you don't hear about that stuff a lot in the NFL anymore, but, but who the heck knows, man? I'm just surprised that he, that he was inactive for the game. Uh, I, I didn't hear anything all week, so I, I know the injury came about on Saturday, and then all of a sudden he's inactive. I, I couldn't believe it. We did see a big game from Allen Robinson, and it was, you know, a, a disappointing year for Robinson for where he got drafted. He went in the fourth, fifth round of a lot of leagues, did have some injuries. They did spread the ball around. Uh, could this maybe boost his value too much next year? Because people do pay attention a lot more in the playoffs. And he had 10 for 143 and a touchdown on 13 targets. Or do you think he'll get better next year, fully healthy, and another year under with Trubisky at quarterback? I would like to think that Allen Robinson can, can still be a, a borderline wide receiver too, but he was outside of wide receiver three territory. He was dealing with some injuries. We, we know he's recovered from the ACL injury, and then he was dealing with other injuries uh, throughout the season, uh, shoulder or an elbow, and then I think he had a lower leg injury at one point, so he missed a few games. Uh, to me, Allen Robinson shouldn't be going anywhere before the fifth round next year. Talking to Bill Enright, you can find him ffchamps.com. Uh, on the Eagles side, you know, Dallas Goddard's a really good tight end. It's just unfortunate that Zach Ertz is in front of him. Goddard had a touchdown in this game. I'm sure some people might have used him in DFS if he didn't spend up on you know, the Ebron or Zach Ertz, because it wasn't a very appealing slate with tight ends, uh, especially with only four games. How much could his role grow next year? 
I'm surprised the Eagles don't use two tight end sets more. I think they have a really big advantage with Zach Gertz and Dallas Goddard on the field at the same time. Now, I, I know a lot of NFL teams don't use two tight end sets a whole lot. I think the Colts could have been one of those teams this year if Jack Doyle didn't end up getting injured uh, with Eric Ebron there as well. We saw the kind of season that Ebron has. But I'm surprised when you have an advantage or a mismatch like you do with Zach Ertz, and then you have a similar player in Dallas Goddard. I'm surprised that the Eagles didn't try to get them on the field more together this season. Now, tight end to me, rookie tight ends always have a difficult time adjusting, but Goddard seems to get it, man. So let's see what they do against the Saints. They're, they're going to need to, you know, really unleash this offense in a way because I think the Saints are going to put up points. So maybe that will come to fruition this weekend. I do too, I think. There probably will be some people, though, who are on this Eagles storyline and the Magic. I'm kind of mixed because I'm a Cowboys fan. So obviously I would prefer the Cowboys to win and get home field against the Eagles uh, than go to New Orleans, even though the Cowboys already beat them. I know winning in that building is a lot different, but it would seem that the Eagles should meet their match this week. I mean, the Saints already pummeled them. I know it's a regular season. It doesn't mean much, and maybe that's something the Eagles remember, but it's really difficult seeing the Eagles advancing this week. They're they're an eight-point underdog. I didn't think they were going to beat the Bears. I have the Saints still as my Super Bowl pick. Uh, That was my preseason pick. I'm sticking with it. I still think the Saints whip up on the Eagles this weekend again. The only thing that I'm impressed by with the Eagles is that they are winning games. But there's not one thing that you could point at to them that's saying, oh, wow, you know what, they're really good in, in Category X. I don't know what Category X is for them other than they're winning. Do you think uh, you know, we've seen these quarterbacks in their first start not win games this weekend? Uh, Trubisky was another one. Do you think that's a factor? Is it overplayed? I mean, Trubisky was, uh, he was inconsistent. I mean, he did throw for 300 yards. He did make some big throws when he needed to. He could have been picked off a couple times. Do you think that's a factor in these playoff games, these guys making their first start at quarterback? You know, Watson in his, Deshaun Watson in his second year, Mitch Trubisky in his second year, both of them starting playoff games for the first time. I remember in the NFL, it used to take four or five years for quarterbacks to really settle in and, and look at them and say, oh, you know, he can make this throw now. I, I'm confident that he'll be able to pick up this defense or he'll be able to you know, read this right route. And I think people today, fans, coaches, owners, they just want that immediacy. And I think it's a really, I think it's a shame because it doesn't give quarterbacks the proper amount of time to develop. I think that's what we're seeing with Trubisky and Watson. Yeah, it's great that they're having all this success, but at the same time, it's only their second year. I mean, Deshaun Watson missed half the season with a torn ACL. He comes in this year. And he, he has a really good season, more towards the second half of the year. So if you put all his time together, I don't know the exact amount of games that he started, but maybe it's 16 or 17. That's just not enough for you to expect a player to come in and, and, win, a, and win a playoff game, especially against a divisional opponent. You look at the Bears, it's never really been about Trubisky this year. It was their defense. And I think that's really what I'm shocked about is that the Eagles – um, we're able to move the ball down that, that uh, two-minute drive at the end of the game with that Golden State touchdown going for it on fourth down. They were four for four on fourth down. So that's an incredible stat. Maybe that's what I'm most impressed by with the Eagles. They were four for four on fourth down conversions against the Bears this weekend. That's, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah, I said this before. I feel like a lot of people are not 
giving the Bears defense enough criticism. It's all parky and everything. And I, look, you could say they only gave up 16 points. But that drive, Trubisky got you the lead. If you're a championship-caliber defense, you got to make a stop at some point and win the game to. for your team. Have to, 100%. There, there, there was one point, it was third and eight, and they had and, and they converted, I, I forget who caught the pass, uh, and they converted on third and eight. The, the, the drive before that, they had 50 yards in penalties, a big pass interference by Prince of Mucamora, and they had, I, I, I want to say it was um, a personal foul that gave, them, that gave the Eagles a first down. So that was a killer 50 yards of penalties on one drive. The, the Eagles ended up scoring there, too. So the defense, you're right, that, that they deserve criticism for that end-of-the-game drive that the Eagles put together. That was the only drive that the Eagles' offense actually looked good on. It was the most important part of the game. You're at home, you have the crowd with you, and you give up a couple fourth-down conversions. That's all on the Bears' defense, all of it. Yeah, you just had your quarterback who, again, struggled most of the game, but he got them down the field, got the touchdown to Allen Robinson, now you're in the fourth quarter. You got the lead. The defense is the backbone of the team. It's been what they counted on all season and what they needed to make a big run. And, you know, I put that out on Twitter and someone's like, oh, you're criticizing him for giving up a two-yard touchdown. It's not the two-yard touchdown. It's the whole drive. You know, make a stop somewhere. Make a big play. You have the lead. You're supposed to be this top defense in the NFL. Yeah, you only gave up 16 points, and they don't deserve the whole blame, but you were in position to win the game for your team, and they didn't come through. Adam Schefter put out some kind of crazy stat, and I don't know the exact record, but it was something along the lines of a home team with two turnovers was, you know, 100 to hundred wins and four losses. And now the Bears are one of those teams. They had two turnovers, they were at home, and then they ended up losing the game. Yeah, I saw that tweet too. So, yeah, I guess you could say, well, the defense forced two turnovers. Uh, so, I don't want to pit it all on the Bears. I'm just surprised – that no one has kind of really talked about them making the big stop, you know, again, since they've been the key component of why this team has had success. And I just feel like, okay, if you want to be that championship caliber defense, then you have to make a stop there. And obviously they're not ready for that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chargers Ravens. Were you surprised Lamar Jackson wasn't pulled? Uh, what what would you have done in that spot? All right. So you're, what, what was the score? 16 to three at halftime. Uh, you know, you're 12, not past 12 zero. at halftime. It was 12, nothing. All right. 12, nothing. Okay. I think they had six passing yards heading into the, heading into the third quarter. Do you say to yourself, if you're uh, John Harbaugh, do you say to yourself, okay, we need to start passing the football if we're going to win this game, let's put it in Flacco because obviously Lamar Jackson is not, is not getting it done. Or do you say Lamar Jackson's five and one as a starter. He got us to this point. We know he can be electric. Let's see if he can just ride it out and, and see if we can come up with something. And that's what ended up happening. I mean, they were one drive away at the end of the game. They had 45 seconds left on the clock, and Jackson ended up fumbling. But I would have stuck with Jackson. He got him there. He's the quarterback of the future. I think it would have done a lot to his confidence if they pulled him. All right, we'll talk more about Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, and the Chargers, and the other games from the weekend. It's all ahead. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. For a field goal? It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network here until 8 p.m. Eastern. Adam Ronis, you can find me, scoutfantasysports.com, as we start putting out the fantasy baseball coverage, in-depth team profile on the Baltimore Orioles from Sean Childs, one of the top high-stakes players around. Of course, scoutdfs.com and vegaswhispers.com. If you use the promo code RONIS50, you get 50% off your first month or first week. And if you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap restraints. Uh, you can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV, or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. And, of course, again, we can help you make money on BetDSI with VegasWhispers.com. Follow them on Twitter at VegasWhispers. If you're not convinced, they put up what they put out his plays at the end of the night, and you can tally and follow along and hopefully join at some point and take advantage and make some money. Talking to Bill Enright, ffchamps.com. Uh, so Lamar Jackson, as we were talking about, very rough start. Wound up finishing 14-29, 194, two touchdowns, one interception. Did rush for 54 yards and nine carries. So fantasy-wise, wasn't such a bad day. Uh, where do you think he gets drafted next season? Is he a guy you think that's like a borderline QB1? Could you see yourself taking on him and relying on him week in, week out? I think a lot of people will end up taking him as their – he'll be the first, second quarterback on someone's team. So maybe someone dra- you know grabs like a Phillip Rivers or you know if they wait, maybe they grab like a Ben Roethlisberger and then they pair him up with Lamar Jackson for a little upside. I don't know if I would take him as my only quarterback – um, I, I only because of the rushing, and we know these quarterbacks they get injured. That's why if you're a team like the Ravens, I would have three or you know two or three backup quarterbacks like an RG three that that you know can run the ball. This way, you don't have to change your entire game plan, which is what the Ravens would have had to do this weekend if they went back to Joe Flacco. Yeah, and I think the other issue too, going back to Flacco, is they could not afford for him to get hurt. I mean, he's against the cap for twenty six million. Obviously, we know he's not going to be there. They want to trade him. So I think that was part of the risk, too, bringing Flacco in there. What happens if he gets hurt? Then they're screwed. 
hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the writing's on the wall that everyone knows Flacco's not going to be back next year. If he ends up getting hurt in this game, and then the Ravens lose, they really shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, what? I don't know if Flacco. A lot of it's easy to say Joe Flacco. Yeah, you you bring him back in, but who's to say he would have brought him back? And and what have what have we seen from Joe Flacco when he was healthy this year to say? Oh, Joe Flacco should have came in back in that game. He would have helped them win. He would have helped them pull up the comeback. I just don't know if that's the case. It's easy to say, yes, you should have played him, but I think it's a lot more difficult to say, well, is would Flacco really have been able to complete the comeback? My answer to that is no. And you would have had Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram teeing off on him. It would have been easier for those guys. I mean, Lamar Jackson is someone that's really tough to defend because you're always worried about him taking off on the ground. And you don't have to worry about that with Flacco. He's a statue. Right. I mean, exactly. Ingram and Bosa were having a phenomenal game against one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league. Imagine what the statue would have been doing uh, with Flacco there. Now, on the Chargers side, they weren't very impressive. They didn't put up big numbers. I kind of felt like it was part of the game plan where they said, you know what? We can be conservative. We know the Ravens are not an explosive offense. Let's just get the lead, get field goals, keep running the ball. Did you feel that way, or did you think that the Chargers just uh, were, were shut down by a good defense? No, I, I think you're exactly right. I think they knew that they, they needed to do just enough to keep the chains moving, to drive down the field, and like you said, get field goals. I think Matt uh, Badgley had, what, five field goals? He attempted six of them. Um, I, I think the Chargers did their game plan to the T of what they wanted to do, and they pulled off the win because of it. Uh, Rivers didn't have to press the ball too much downfield. His receivers made big plays when they needed to. He made some great throws when, when he needed to, but they, didn't, they weren't overly aggressive. Um, and, and even Melvin Gordon, he didn't have a phenomenal game rushing. We know the Ravens have that, have that phenomenal defense. They didn't need Gordon to have that big game, though. I, I think you're exactly right. They just needed to move the, down, move the ball down the field just enough where they get in the field goal range and then hope, hopefully uh, Basley gets some three points on the board. Yeah, I like this Chargers team, but, man, you talk about getting a tough road. So this is a team that wins 12 games. They have to go on the road on the East Coast in an early game against one of the best defenses in football in the first round. Now they have to go to New England, another early game on a Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and I think there's a lot of uh, projected snow. I think the latest I've seen, and, again, it's still early in the week, but it's looking like they could get three to five inches on Sunday. I mean, Chargers don't get a break here, man. I feel like that's their MO of the history of the Chargers. They just don't get a break. And we've seen them have really great teams over the years, and they just fall short in the playoffs. I'm happy to see Phillip Rivers win the wild card game. I think he's undefeated wild card weekend. I don't think he's ever beaten Tom Brady in the playoffs. I think Brady's 5-0 and against him in the postseason. And I'm rooting for a snow game this year. Uh, this weekend because we didn't have one at all in the regular season. And I love watching football being played in the snow. It's one of my favorite things. It reminds me of my youth, whatever it is. I I, want to see a snow game, and if it happens at the expense of the Chargers, so be it. The one negative about snow games, and I'm not worried about it this week, during the regular season, as a fantasy analyst, you get bombarded with questions. Oh, Oh, do I I sit this guy, right? (laughs) 
it's chaos. It's absolutely chaos. When that snows in the forecast, you don't know what's going to happen. You think, oh, well, they're not going to be able to pass the football, and then Calvin Johnson has a monster game against the Eagles. Well, Sheryl McGoy has a great game against the Lions in that one. You know, the Buffalo Bills had a big snow game last year. You never know what's going to happen. I love the chaos. I love it. Yeah, we might see it this Sunday. Uh, we, we really haven't seen any snow yet, so we might finally get it here in the postseason. Talking to Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. Uh, Mike Williams has shown flashes. Obviously, he hasn't got enough volume. He was a pretty high pick in the FFWC this year, going in the seventh, eighth round. Does the outlook for him change next season, or do you think it'll be the same thing where there's just not enough volume for him to produce at that lofty level? Well, well, Tyrell Williams is, is a free agent, uh, unless I'm, I'm wrong about that. But if he leaves, I'd really like Mike Williams to do what we expected him to do this year because he has flashed that ability, not only just to be a touchdown, uh, you know, a red zone threat, which he's been great at, especially the, the last month of the season, um, uh, but really to be a guy that complements Keenan Allen. And I think the Chargers, as long as River sticks around, no, no indication that he's ready to retire or anything. I think the Chargers will be good once again next year. And absolutely, I think Mike Williams should be someone that, that people are keeping an eye on in those, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. Yeah, hopefully he goes a little bit later. Definitely like the skill set. Big receiver can score touchdowns. And we saw uh, his upside uh, several weeks ago with no Keenan Allen, what he can do. The Colts, they just were in control against the Texans, winning 21-7. I was pretty confident in the Colts. I just thought that they were a better team. The Texans really didn't impress me this year. They didn't play anyone great. I took the Colts' money line when they played the Texans. I think it was in Week 14, and I was confident in the Colts, and obviously they jumped out to the big lead. They did slow down. They didn't score in the second half, but this is one of the hottest teams in football right now. Uh, they were 1-5 in five at one point, and do you think the Colts have the ability to go into Kansas City and win this week? You know, I, I do, Adam. I think the Colts are dominant on both sides of the football, and their defense is not getting enough credit. We all know what Andrew Luck has been able to do this year, 39 touchdowns, second only to Patrick Mahomes. But that defense is playing out of their minds. They're, they're just really a, a get-after-the-ball the carrier, you know, find the football and, and make sure they don't get any yards uh, after contact. They're a really sound defense that, that is – playing well with their fundamentals and their tackling and, and they're, they're not forcing a, a ton of turnovers, but they're doing it just enough where they can say, okay, Andrew, you know, we got your good field position. Now let's go get a touchdown. And I think that's what has been missing from Indianapolis through Andrew Luck's career. He has a great offensive line now. Now he has a defense to back him up. I think the Colts can do damage this weekend. Listen, the, the Chiefs lost three of their last six games. They only had what? Four losses all season, or, or so, you know, three of their losses, 75% of their losses came in the last six weeks of the season. This is a team, again, I'm going back to Kareem Hunt not being there. I think they are different without him being on the field for them. I know Damian Williams helped people win fantasy championships, but we're talking regular NFL now, real-life football. And I think without that explosiveness that Kareem Hunt brought, that out, brought to that offense, they might struggle a little bit against the Colts. Yeah, we know the Chiefs are vulnerable on defense, and the Colts' offensive line has been a huge difference. I mean, Andrew Luck, once again, did not get sacked this past week. He's had plenty of time to throw. Now, I was surprised that Marlon Mack, though, had a big game. You know, for those that used him in DFS, it worked out. He definitely was not a popular play, and he came through 24 carries, 148 yards, and a touchdown against the Texans. See, that, that, that's, what's, that's what's going unnoticed with the Colts, right? I mean, it's the fact that Marlon Mack was able to get 148 yards this week. 
It's the fact that their defense limited everything that the Texans were doing on offense. There was one point in that game where I was like, I don't even know if the Texans will be able to score. The Colts looked that good to me this weekend. I just hope they didn't, you know, blow their load in in wildcard weekend and, and they're going to come out flat against the Chiefs. And you can make a case maybe that touchdown shouldn't have counted. The Kiki QT, that's usually called a fumble. There was a couple of instances this weekend. The Melvin Gordon play, the Kiki Kuti play, and I, I'm trying to think if there was another one. Um, oh, the, oh, the the, the uh, Allen Robinson fumble where the ref the Anthony the Miller, yeah, Anthony Miller, or, or Anthony Miller, right, Anthony Miller. Uh, three plays to me that the refs really screwed up this week. Oh no, it's true uh, for sure. And I was saying how. Players just need to pick up the football, and some people were arguing me, well, the whistle was blown. Well, knowing this rule, as a coach, I'm telling my guys, I don't care what happens on the play. Just go pick up the ball, even if the whistle right, blows. Because you, it's if they would, just go get it. Right. What do you have to lose? Just go pick up the football. Don't let the ref pick it up. Go get the right. football. Pick it up. They say the play's dead. Okay, now they go to replay. Oh, well, you guys recovered it. Your ball. That's what happened. If right. one of the Eagles defenders went and just picked up the football – they would have had the they would have had the recovery, and you know what? In that Bears game, they didn't even call it an incomplete pass. They, they, they didn't even like they didn't even make that ruling. And the same thing with Melvin Gordon. They didn't even they didn't even talk about it being a fumble. They just ruled him down short of the goal line. So the refs were really really um, judicious in their wording when they were reviewing those plays and coming out and making that statement about you know the call being overturned or the call being uh, sustained. So they had a tough time this weekend. The refs to me. I hate when they are that involved in a game where you can look back at one or two plays and say, the refs screwed us here and we lost because of it. That to me, I'm not a fan of any teams in the playoffs right now, but that to me, from a fan standpoint, that's killer. Well, these whistles blowing are, are, are hurting. They just, with the replay, they need to let them play through, like let the play go, make the call, and then go to replay because – Week 17, Lamar Jackson against the Browns. He was not over the goal line. He fumbled. That would have been a touchdown or at least a recovery for the Browns, but they blew the whistle and the play was dead. So instead, the Browns just get the ball. I mean, that was a critical call. I mean, especially for the Steelers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. The Steelers are home now, and they didn't get to make the playoffs because Jabril Peppers and Lamar Jackson and and the refs kind of, you know, having a happy whistle. Yeah, I mean, I, the Steelers deserve more blame for losing to the Raiders and all the, the ways they blew it, but still. Uh, and they're another story, too, that'll be a big topic in the offseason. As far as the Texans, I just didn't think they were that good, but they really did not look impressive at all. Deshaun Watson really struggled, only 4.8 yards per attempt, a lot of throws that he bounced. Uh, was this team not ready to play? Were they just uh, inferior to the Colts, or... Uh, are they better than they showed? You, you mentioned it earlier. They haven't beaten anyone that was uh, a real contender this year. Um, sure, they beat the Colts. I think that was back in week three. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, back in week six. It was in October or something. Um, they lost to the Giants this year. Uh, they, they have a lot of different uh, wins that were not against quality teams. And when I say quality teams, other teams with winning records. So I'm not surprised that the, that the Texans were one and done. I think they really need a legit wide receiver. Maybe it's Will Fuller, but until he's healthy, they need someone other than DeAndre Hopkins. They need a tight end. 
And Lamar Miller either needs to stay healthy or they need to find a back that is, that is a good complement that can really be explosive in the passing game. They're missing a, a few key components. For being a wildcard team, for winning a, a division, they're missing a lot of components on offense that can really get them over the, over the hump. But until that happens, um, you can expect early playoff exits uh, for Houston. The Seahawks, obviously, we know what they do. They want to run the football, and they never deviate from the game plan no matter what. But it was clear they were having no success on the ground. You have Russell Wilson averaging 8.6 yards per attempt. I'm a Cowboys fan, but I am so glad that they did not go to Russell Wilson more because it was working. He was making good throws. We know Lockett's a big playmaker. Baldwin. I was stunned that Seattle just did not change it up and – you know, sometimes when you are too stubborn and stick to the game plan too long, it backfires. And I thought that's what happened to Seattle against Dallas. That, that's Brian Schottenheimer, man. I mean, they wanted to run the football, and that's it. Run, run, pass. That, that's their whole M.O. It has been all season. Chris Carson had, had a phenomenal year. But you're right. At one point in that game, Pete Kyle said, okay, enough with running the football. Let's get it downfield. Throw it to Doug Baldwin. He's healthy now. Get it to Tyler Lockett. Um, use some of these playmakers in the passing game because we can go after some of these Cowboys secondary, and Russell Wilson is mobile enough to get out of that pressure by the, by the Cowboys' front, front seven or, you know, Demarcus Lawrence or whoever you want to say what was the uh, defender that gave him the most pressure this week, and they just didn't do it. Another team that just didn't want to go away from what they have been all season, I don't know if they, they, were, they were nervous, or they didn't think they were adequate enough in the passing attack. But to, to, to me, to see them run the football so much, even when they were down and not really moving the ball, um, it, it's just shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, look, they had 24 rushing attempts and 27 pass attempts, but it felt like they took too long. Like, a lot of those pass attempts obviously were late in the fourth quarter. Too little, quarter. too late. Yeah, so it's just it, – it's one thing if you don't have a good quarterback. You got Russell Wilson. So it was just stunning to me. Uh, I thought, though, the Cowboys did play – pretty good overall they were really good defensively they made plays when they needed to and Dak was solid the Cowboys had a really good game man I mean if you're yeah I know you're a fan of the Cowboys and I think you should be really um impressed and and have a positive feeling about going into uh LA this weekend yeah I'm hoping they can get it done I don't expect them to but it's better than going into New Orleans we'll see though if I feel the same way after Saturday night but that is Bill Enright you can check him out ffchamps.com Bill thanks a lot for the time we'll talk to you soon Absolutely, Adam. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Thanks. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, scoutdfs.com as well. We got you covered, NBA, NFL, and NHL. And vegaswhispers.com, not too late. Join tonight. Use the promo code RONUS50. Get 50% off your first month the first week and get the play for the Alabama-Clemson game. I'm out of here. I'll be back Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.